Hello everyone, I am Rafaela Tanconi and this is our Off Balance podcast series, Turning Maternity Penalty into a Career Dividend. Hello everyone, I am Rafaela Tanconi and thank you very much for joining our webinar of Off Balance, Turning Maternity Penalty into a Career Dividend, organized by ADA Economics. I am super thrilled to be together with a long-standing friend of mine, Roman Upati, with me, who will discuss the other side of the equation, so the, the men's side of maternity, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Roman, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. I actually fear this question every time I, I, I get it. I would say I was just thinking about it while you were introducing me. Uh, thank you very much for a nice intro. Good day, everybody. I was thinking about it, and I would say that I'm a professional wanderer, you know, since uh, the end of high school, essentially, partially due to the revolution in uh, in Eastern Bloc, because I come from uh, Czechoslovakia. I lived 15 years in communism, and, you know, after the revolution, and as a direct result of the tumultuous uh, 90s, uh, period of transformation, I, I became person very much interested in why the word uh, and how it works and why does it not work and that became uh, my career of course we live in a capitalist system so I have to monetize it somehow so I was a journalist I organized different kinds of events for uh, people who might we might call elites unfortunately uh, right now that's uh, a, a label very very few people actually enjoy but uh, let me put it this way people who are in in power be it business economy or or politics and uh, throughout uh, throughout the, the the beginning of this century uh, for the past essentially 20 years i was a, and i am a consultant so we do investment consultancy uh, wealth management a family office for a couple of wealthy families here in the Czech Republic. And as uh, at the same time, I have this small boutique consultancy that essentially caters to primarily small and mid-sized companies, uh, essentially all around, all around the world, which you are part of. So, you know, quite a lot about it. And again, as a person who follows the power centers and, and uh, power tools, this is a very interesting period of time, and the topic we're about to talk about is, uh, I would say, one of the very interesting, very much uh, so one of the, those themes that will essentially decide upon uh, the success of, uh, of our economies. So let's go for it. Excellent. So we've known each other for, for a very long time. So we met already when you were a journalist, and now, of course, as an entrepreneur. And uh, actually, I think most of the time I've known you, you, you were in a stable relationship. And I believe now you have two wonderful kids. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, I very much appreciate that from the outside, the thought that, uh, that, that our relationship is stable. Of course, it is, you know me, quite tumultuous. But uh, yes, I'm with my wife for 22 years now, and uh, as long as she's going to tolerate me, we are going to be in this kind of relationship. And we have two beautiful kids. Amen to that. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I wanted to, to tell you a little bit about the survey that we have just closed here at ADA. It's a small data survey. It means that 
It's a survey that overall has received about 150 answers. It was conducted in three countries, Italy, UK, and Hungary, and it touched the issue of the effect of maternity. Of course, we, the art of small data survey is that you don't go for many, many answers, but you try to get the honest voice of people. So to pick up the real genuine sentiment behind the theme. And most of the answers are from women, not exclusively. So that's why I'm, I'm interested to hear what is your reaction from, from the results. So the question, first of all, we asked was, do you think that if you had viable, affordable, reliable childcare solution for your children 24-7, 360 days a year, would you be able to earn more? And on average, the answer was 52% of people said yes. Okay. A further 20% mentioned that they would earn more and they put a price tag to it. So of anywhere between 10 and 30% more if they had a real full reliable childcare solution. So the message was that the vast majority of people feel that they're missing the support and this is impacting their earning potential. And of course, in areas where there is a little bit more childcare solution and a thriving economy like the UK, also we had a further 9% of people saying they would earn more than 30% over what they earn today. So the upside is, is really significant. What do you think is your perspective? Would you benefit if you had more childcare support around the clock? I understand your question. I think that uh, one thing that needs to be said in this context is that uh, you also have to consider the flexibility of job market and uh, employers. Well, I'm saying that, for instance, for me and my wife, due to a high degree of flexibility, I would even say liquidity because we, we moved in the course of the past uh, 20, 22 years uh, more than 10 times, and I'm not talking apartment to apartment, I'm talking country to country. It just enforced this high degree, degree naturally, of, of flexibility, meaning that we were essentially freelancers or we would take upon contracts that, again, allowed us to work mostly from home, essentially anywhere. Quite often we, we worked while, while being on the road. So for us, for instance, COVID wasn't a problem and is not a problem. Uh, and the same goes for maternity. Now, I'm not comparing these two, but uh, fundamentally, it, it is a huge challenge for those that have a regular nine to five jobs. Here in the Czech Republic, just to compare two countries, I know here in the Czech Republic, and general in Central and Eastern Europe, until COVID, it was almost impossible unless you worked for tech companies or, you know, these, by definition, more forward-thinking companies to, to be flexible while working for them. Now it's changing. For us, it was different. Of course, it comes with certain negatives. Uh, for us, there is no break 
we have vacation when we have vacation, but of course, when we're vacationing, there is no social to work, let's say, any kind of, uh, of protection that we would enjoy as, uh, as regular employees. On the other hand, of course, we can work whenever we feel like it, uh, which for people who are employed is not the case. And that's where exactly the problems come. And that's why I completely understand and appreciate uh, the statistics you mentioned. That's the case of uh, most of my friends or our friends. Of course, once the woman gets pregnant, the problems start even before she gets pregnant. That's unfortunately one of the first questions many women still get when they're applying for a job, whether they were, uh, they have already kids and what they're going to do with the kids. So from this perspective, I would say that uh, childcare is one aspect, one fragment of the whole uh, of, of the whole mosaic, if you will. Uh, the solution being the mosaic, or the mosaic being the solution, and one other is the flexibility of job market and, and, and employers of or that of employers. In this sense, and that's why I said I'm going to compare the Czech Republic and Canada. Canada and generally North America are much friendlier, but of course, again. In Canada, it's different. In the States, you bleed uh, if you actually want to let your kid be taken care of by institution or you know somebody who's actually a nanny or somebody who's taking care of uh, uh, kids professionally. Uh, so to sum up, I understand that it is crucial. I'm saying it needs to be a solution. Uh, the, the, the solution needs to be complex. This is one another aspect, and it's definitely something that is complicating, and unfortunately, I'm afraid, is going to be complicating lives of, of many women. And it's not just maybe one extra piece of, uh, of a puzzle comes to my mind, of course. Another thing is uh, whether, there is, uh, whether there are part-time jobs, and generally the job market is uh, ready to allow, for instance, for women who are on maternity leave to work to find a balance between you know, the needs the baby has and, and the needs, I would dare to say, that, that the, the mother has. She wants to work, but she you know, can't be fixed, if you will. She can't go regularly to, to work or she can't work regular hours. Again, many employers still have a problem with that. It's changing due to COVID, but there needs to be a, a lot of work done, essentially, in every country I, I, I lived it. Maybe the Nordic, country, Nordic countries are, are ahead of the pack, but even there, there's a lot of work to be done in this aspect. Those, those are definitely very, very valid, very valid points. Let me explore another aspect that you haven't mentioned, but I imagine is, is as relevant. Because in the same survey, we asked about fatigue in general to, to understand what is the, the scale of the problem. And to the question, do you often or always feel physically tired, you know, drained, we got an 80% answer. And to the question, do you feel often or always emotionally challenged or emotionally drained, we got 70% answers. Again, with slight changes, Hungary in the UK, a little bit better performance on the emotional aspect, I think because of the extra support, but in general, an overwhelming number of parents appear to be chronically under stressed. And so what we have been 
highlighting is in a digitalized world, it's very important that the person is constantly supported because otherwise creativity becomes impaired and productivity becomes impaired, but generally well-being is is hard so what what is your experience i mean juggling two careers did you find that with the flexibility you were able to both rest on a regular basis or is does that take a hit anyway i think it's a constant struggle to tell you the truth and i'm pretty sure you have a similar experience if not the same i mean the flexibility gives you the tool that uh, let's say a key to could or that opens up a possibility, let me put it this way, opens up a possibility to actually manage. But at the same time, of course, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you can work at night, but then you don't sleep. If you don't sleep, you're tired. If you're, not, uh, if you're tired, your productivity goes up. Thusly, you do less during the day. So you do, you do more at night. And, and it's a vicious circle. I mean, generally, this concept of, you know, work-life balance turning into uh, something where you don't really distinguish between the time you work and the time you rest and thus being challenging on its own uh, has to be considered. That's probably the, the new abnormal. And if you combine that with complete unpredictability of a small kid and its needs and wants, then of course, uh, it's, uh, it's an ultra marathon. Uh, and one problem with that, and of course, again, you most likely have heard this already, uh, maybe not from a man, of course, one layer of this ultra marathon or, or of this challenge is that uh, very often it's the, the women who disproportionately actually take upon, uh, I don't want to say a burden, but all the duties or or things that, uh, that are somehow connected with, you know, the birth and, and, and then child caring throughout the first uh, couple of years that are essentially challenging the most. So it's, it's the women who are disproportionately tired and have to put on uh, their carriers on hold and, 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 and many other things, which say it's just the, the, the culture. It's all about the culture in a society. And again, I would say we have quite... We can get inspired by what is being done and have been done already in this instance in, in the Nordic countries. Uh, and, you know, I know Italy a bit, so I would dare to say with warm greetings to all my friends from Italy, uh, male friends, I think that uh, uh, the guys in Italy has uh, quite a long way to go in this instance, this sense. But the same goes for Central Eastern Europe, I mean. At, at the end of the day, the, uh, the North America as well. It's unfortunately still, uh, you know, the patriarchy has its merits uh, in a certain instances, I think, or had its merits. But right now, uh, we should probably reform this as well. And I'm talking uh, about mindset, of course. I'm beginning to feel that you're too much of my friend and you're siding too much on with, with the sisterhood. <laughs> no, that's, uh, listen, I... Those who know me know that this was my this was my position in the '90s already when I was at high school. I, I find it quite uh, you know natural. That's how I see it. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna try to convince anybody, convert anybody, but <laughs> you know me. I I think that certain things just reflect how things used to be and are not anymore. Let me put it. You know, 
a short and, and, and funny case study. Okay. I remember when I studied in Toronto, I had a friend, uh, I still have a friend. Uh, he was from Sierra Leone, one of the war kids. And we talked about, well, we talked about many things, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about the uh, women in Africa. And, uh, you know, we had this very funny conversation where I said, well, who's carrying the water, you know, because they didn't have a well in the village, women, who's taking care of poultry, women, who's taking care of kids, women, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, and what, what the men are doing? And he said, well, they're like sitting and observing and supervising. And, and why? Isn't it fair or unfair? Well, no, they have to be ready for a fight. And I said, okay, well, unfortunately, of course, uh, you have the fresh experience, but is it always the case that you have to be ready for a fight? Well, not so much. Okay, so that's a sort of a historical tradition that, of course, uh, is uh, pleasant for men or most of them, but uh, doesn't completely reflect the reality of things. And that's what I'm talking about in our, you know, in our country or more generally in the West, uh, we don't have to sit and, and look around and, and, and be tough and be ready for a fight, hopefully. And if then the sitting down is not going to help us anyway. That, that's, that's, that's an interesting anecdote. But it made me think that maybe you're, you don't need to be ready for a fight, but you do need to be ready to win business, right? Because what I found is that you know, aside from the personal consequences of the unpredictability of the whole process, uh, clearly there is an impact on uh, my role as an entrepreneur, right? My ability to plan, deliver, and, and give that reliability of service that ultimately is necessary in business. So I wonder whether, whether do you think that from the men perspective, that is still assured or you know did you have disruption for example i mean in in covid you must have been in quarantine occasionally i have a feeling it was all the time but at least one of us agree agree but i mean uh, that's just one of many unknowns you have to tackle or one of the one of the many challenges you have to tackle continuously i mean uh, it sounds like a cliche now but it's still the case, you know, the, the only certainty of, of our time is uncertainty. Pretty sure you, you face it all the time as well. As the world gets faster, not only economy, but for the world as such, and more complex, complicated, it almost doesn't make sense to write a, a business plan. Because, you know, the second you finish it, uh, you have to rewrite it because something major comes. Uh, many things that were taken for granted uh, don't apply anymore. I mean, let's just look at the quantitative easing and what, what it may, what, what does it mean for the markets and, and the real economy and, and society? I mean, the inequality is rising and that's something that, uh, again, comes back to the order of things, if you will. So on one hand, it's just yet another issue one has to tackle. On the other hand, of course, uh, I agree. The more tired, the more uh, out of focus you are, the more difficult it is to, to run your business. I mean, for me personally, for instance, that was the time when I actually realized that I'm going to have to learn how to outsource much more. Uh, you know, I, I realized one has to have uh, some sort of a robust or at least permanent and predictable structure which means, among other things, colleagues and, 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 and generally a team that one can rely on. 
uh, which as long as it's just you and, and you, maybe your partner, you don't need that much. Uh, you can do much more. Your head works much better, of course, <laughs> and, and, and many other things that, uh, that somehow condition successful a business uh, that is run on a very light platform or, or non-existent platform at all. I want to ask you a last, uh, a last set of questions on, on paternity leave. I mean, did you ever benefit from, from paternity leave? Should it have been different? And more importantly, did you feel that paternity leave is frowned upon? Because in some countries, you know, there is the legal structure, but then in reality, many men cannot take them. So then it almost becomes redundant. Hmm. To start with me and my personal experience, I didn't really, ha- I didn't really have a, a paternity leave as such. Again, uh, that's how we do things, uh, Clara and me. We essentially kept working while essentially taking care of the kid at the same time, meaning that uh, we just took upon a, a slightly less contract at the very beginning of it all, uh, meaning when uh, our little one, the first kid, was uh, a year, two years old, uh, three years old, uh, give or take. And, and that's how we dealt with it. Uh, but as an institution, as a concept, I think it makes a lot of sense. I even think, and again, <laughs> I mentioned uh, Nordic countries twice, so I'm going to mention it one more time. I think that for many men, it would be quite beneficial to be forced to take a paternity leave the same way they, they do it in, um, in, in, I don't know if all, but some of the Nordic countries for sure. Because at that very moment, I'm pretty sure that many of them would realize that it is not, uh, you know, it is not a vacation. In the Czech Republic, if you translate directly how we call the paternity or maternity leave, it's maternity vacation. It's very far from that, of course. And everybody who actually witnessed, you know, what it means to have a baby can vouch for this. So I think it would be healthy not only for the kid. Uh, and, and the bond the kid and, and the father have, but also for the general you know, well-being of the family, understanding of what is going on at home. And, and that takes me back to my idea that you know, we need to somehow rebalance, if you will, how things are uh, in the family uh, after the birth of the, of the kid, you know, the share of responsibility, sharing of responsibilities and stuff like that. So while I did not really have that paternity leave, I'm pretty sure I can talk about it uh, in a qualified manner. And I think it's, it's something that uh, is useful and something that while it is probably thrown upon, and that's again culture, that it's an institute that, that we should respect and, and, and work with. Great. Thank you so much for your contribution, Roman. It has been very, very helpful and uh, we'll continue to build upon uh, this theme in the next few weeks. So thank you, Roman Hupati, global strategist and founder of Alter Eco.